0: Welcome back to the Policy Wonk Podcast. I'm Kale. I'm Joe. What are we talking about today, Joe?
1: So, first, we have some big news in Cleveland. Big news. With the RTA. Um, the RTA has um, started the process of buying new trains f- fucking finally. Right? Sorry to start the episode off with swearing, right? but dear good lord, these, for anyone that doesn't ride the RTA frequently or just doesn't really know. The current trains that the RTA uses are so old that they date back to Jimmy Carter's presidency.
0: You and I rode the red line not too long ago, yeah. right? And it was so slow.
1: It It is slow. It is, they are so out of date, both the exterior and the interior. It's disgusting. It is. It's honestly disgusting.
0: Like, honestly, we could have probably, like, we could have hopped on those little e-scooters yeah. and went faster than the train. The,
1: so the train – the RTA uses two types of trains for its, uh, like, metro service. The red line uses a heavy rail system, mm-hmm. which is, like, what New York and D.C. use, wh- what you traditionally think of as a subway. And then the red and green line – or, sorry, the blue and green lines and the waterfront line, which is still shut down, uh, use Residence. a yeah, – rest in peace. They use a light rail vehicle or an LRV. The original top speed of the red line trains when they were first bought and they were still considered in good like health mm-hmm. was 60 miles an hour. They go maybe 35 now. On a good May, day, on a good day, a usually good day. they're going 30 miles an hour and they're stopping all the damn time. It's ridiculous. And it and honestly it's like really embarrassing. It's super embarrassing for RTA. So, this, your transit system, your job is to move people faster, you know, without a car. And meanwhile, I mean, half the time the train's going slower than a car. Right. So, there's no benefit for people downtown to use the trains.
0: Yeah. If it takes, if it would take significantly longer to take public transit somewhere than it would to take a car, and you can yeah. afford a car, just take, I mean, people are just going to take their car and then you lose not only the environmental impact, but you also just kind of lose the need for public transit when yeah. it kind when it sucks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I get it. It's, it's, it's a great thing for the city of Cleveland that they're getting new cars.
1: So, but not yet, not yet. So the committee, the, the committee that oversees like the procure, procurement of new cars uh, voted to advance a one hundred and sixty-four million dollar contract for Siemens, which is just a manufacturer of you know public transit vehicles, uh, to build twenty-four cars for the Red Line over the next four years. But then that contract has to advance to the whole board of RTA trustees to be approved, which it'll probably be approved on April eighteenth um, of this year. Of this year, nice. Yes. Um, however, and this is from. Uh, Trains.com. Nice. Uh, The RTA is still about $7 million short of funding. And it's part of an estimated $393 million total to replace the entire RTA rail car fleet. Mm. And most of that is from federal funding and also state funding. Some from uh, RTA funding as well. A lot of it is from the infrastructure package that was passed 2021
0: 2022 i think infrastructure is 2022
1: that was uh you know passed by democrats and friend of the pod president joe biden who loves trains as (laughs) we all know i love
0: trains so we're the same person that means that's what that means um and just a little more info about the cars themselves
1: you can't see it obviously because this is a podcast um but they are very nice and i would point you in the direction of an opinion piece that I wrote for the Cauldron.
0: A phenomenal opinion piece for the Cauldron, I would say. Thank you, Kale. I would say.
1: Um, it's If you go to CSU-Cauldron, um, you can find an opinion piece titled, Regional Woes. RTAs struggle to modernize. And in that article, there is details about the uh, vehicles that RTA is purchasing.
0: We'll also make sure that our RPR person will retweet that article when we post this web this uh, episode,
1: it's just such so people a can great read it. article.
0: It was really good. It wasn't it like retweeted by like Clevelanders for better public transit or whatever. Yes, Epic. I was I was trying to
1: remember the acronym.
0: I don't know it. What it, I don't know it like word for word.
1: Yeah, but um, it's it's just it's so nice to finally see them buy these cars because they are super out of date. They're so out of date that it, I think. Maintenance costs for all of the cars, red line cars, green line, blue, waterfront, whenever that opens back up. It's like, I think maintenance costs have skyrocketed like by hundred, over 100% in the past 10 years alone. Because these cars are so old, they don't make parts for them anymore. They're safe, don't get me wrong. But the parts don't exist to fix them. And it's becoming an issue where you know, this should have been settled a long Long time ago.
0: To clarify, they're only safe because the cars only go like thirty, 30 miles per mile. hour. Right so it's it's
1: really just incredible to me that they've put this off for so long. There's really no excuse for it.
0: But I mean, in- increasing one accessibility mm-hmm. to the efficiency of public transportation is a good thing for like pedestrian-focused cities. Yeah, which is something that a lot of people our age, especially want to see more of. Mm -hmm. It's like East 4th Street. Yeah. It's awesome. It's completely pedestrian. And there are more and more of these like streets are popping up in cities around the country and increasing public transit would be awesome.
1: The other thing is that it's good. It's great for students and I don't want to own a car. To be totally honest, really don't want to have a car payment. Don't want to have insurance to deal with. I also don't have the money to buy a goddamn car right now. I just don't.
0: I'm going to venture out and say you also don't want to pay for a parking pass. Yeah. So if anybody in administration at CSU is listening to this, lower the cost for a parking permit, please and thank you. Yeah. I pay too much.
1: I pay too much, <laughs> even without a permit. Even without a permit. But the other thing is, is that, and I, I think we've talked about on the show before, increasing public transit is good for the economy. Like straight up, it is. Even ignoring the argument that it's just fairer for people that don't have the money to buy a car and how it just connects neighborhoods more, even if you're for whatever reason against that, it's good for the it's good for the economy. When the health line opened, it's brought well over a billion dollars in economic development to the city, but specifically along Euclid Avenue, downtown. It's like that's this investment is totally worth the cost. Or the cost is worth it because in yeah. the long run, I mean, you know, we have Sherwin Williams opening up. There's like, there's like three new apartment complexes being being built currently, and that's going to attract more, you know, bigger companies downtown.
0: There's a there's a neighborhood that is on the east side called Huff,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, um. Huff is, is a lower income neighborhood. It used to not be. It used to be a part of Euclid's like Millionaire Row. Mm-hmm. And now it's, the, there's these huge houses that are either sitting empty or falling apart. And there's development going to be happening in and around Huff. Like I know, I know this for a fact, there is going to be development in and around Huff, including mixed income housing. To expand pedestrian access to the health line. So that's awesome. And if you increase access to trains, you have an excuse to expand bus routes. Yep. And you have more people who can take a bus to work, take a train to work. They don't need to pay for a car. They save money.
1: Also, like, throw all that out the window. All of it. Oh, it's good for the economy. It saves me money. Trains are so fucking cool. They are so cool. You ever been on a train? Yeah, you have. We rode the red line yeah, together. Yeah, we rode it together. It's just so cool. I can't explain it. If you're a fellow train lover, shout out. But you understand how cool they are.
0: I want to take a moment to appreciate the fact that Joe just said yet another thing that would be awesome for merch. I love trains.
1: So I love trains. I love trains. I really, really do. And this is very exciting.
0: This is it's pretty like epic. Not to belabor
1: the point, but... Cleveland's going to be the crown jewel of the Great Lakes. Well, it is. But it will be a a shining diamond that's freshly polished. Whatever's shinier than a diamond, that's what Cleveland's going to be when RTA gets these new trains. And when hopefully in the future they start expanding service out to more cities in Cuyahoga County.
0: If you... So Columbus, biggest city in Ohio. Unfortunate. It's the only city in Ohio that's growing. Mm Mm-hmm and it's one of the fastest-growing cities in the Midwest, doesn't have nearly as good of a public transit system as Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So, say Columbus develops a much better transit system. People start moving there. Cleveland continues to develop a better transportation system. And they, they also start to attract people, and people start moving to Cleveland. They start moving to Columbus. You get more people living in cities who tend to vote Democratic. So, that way, in Columbus, we don't have people... Like the the Ohio Republican lawmaker who claimed he's a MIT graduate. He is
1: not. I it just it seems like a ongoing trend for Republicans to just lie about their entire history. Friend of the pod, uh Representative George Santos slash Anthony Devalder, slash uh George Devalder, slash whatever, a lie or you know, alias he wants to go under, uh, did the same thing to a much greater extent.
0: Much greater extent.
1: uh, But it still just seems to be a continuing problem for Republicans. Jared Majewski lied about his service. Mm -hmm. That was huge.
0: I was going to bring that up, actually.
1: And now this is happening again in Ohio, but also again to a Republican legislator.
0: So the representative in question, according to AP, is Representative Dave Dobos, who's from the Columbus area. Um, he did attend MIT in the 70s and 80s, but he never got a degree.
1: It's kind of embarrassing.
0: That's like the trend that I'm seeing. Yeah. Uh, outside of, you know, the you said friend of the pod, which is wrong. But anyways, outside of George Santos, there's a lot of people who they did these things, but they embellish a little bit. Yeah. He did go to MIT. That's awesome. He didn't graduate, but he's claiming he graduated from MIT. I guess
1: it's better that he didn't lie completely. George Santos totally lied about a ton of really yeah. weird stuff. A lot. I feel like you can get away with saying, oh, yeah, I attended MIT. Didn't get a degree, though. Uh, George Santos, um, actually, you know, I don't even know what he said the truth about, to be honest. I think he said that he's lied to literally everyone, which is the only thing he said that's truthful. Um, like George Santos lying about when his mom died. Yep. Which is... So, is so insane to me.
0: He didn't he claim he she died
1: in nine eleven nine eleven and then she actually I think passed away like a few no like a few years ago not a few yeah. years later.
0: Which like granted, people like passed away like a decade later from illnesses caused by yeah nine eleven. But she didn't even die from something nine eleven related. No. And he, just, he said she did.
1: It's just so absurd that this keeps happening.
0: And people don't
1: care almost. People don't care. And I know we talked about it last time. Gerrymandering only goes so far. Mm-hmm. When you have, you know, people just lying about their credentials and just lying in general about kind of important stuff that voters know about you. And then you're up for re-election. You just get re-elected. I... I can't explain it besides a lack of just information. You're just not paying attention. Which, like, no hate to those people, because I understand politics is a lot. But...
0: So I'm looking at Representative Dobos's district, and it is southern Columbus, just north of where I live, actually. I'm about a block away from being in his district. And it goes out west to essentially Columbus suburbs that are... Predominantly red. So he's from Columbus. And you would expect a representative from Columbus to be a Democrat. He's not. He's a Republican because his district is red.
1: Oh, wow. That's terrible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we might we might post this. Yeah, this is
1: honestly... It's not the best gerrymandered district in the state, but it's certainly something. The Washington
0: Post won't use this district in their f- gerrymandered the font. Yeah. But it's still... Kind of gross looking.
1: It's you know in Lake County. I guess our county's not too terribly gerrymandered. It's still gerrymandered. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know we're represented by Dan Troy, uh, actual friend, actual of the pod. friend of the pod. I love Dan Troy. Shout out. Um, and also Representative Jamie Callender, who represents the more, actually the entire like southern part of the county, more rural areas, Madison, Kirtland. Mm parts of Menor because it's gerrymandered. Um, and specifically, it if you look at a map, again, we'll post this on our social media later today. Um, you know, the district just starts scooping out wards from each of the cities in Lake County. Now, my ward is not Democratic by any means. It's more 50/50 than part of the city, still Republican. But you're still taking out those possible opportunities to make a district competitive. You know, that's the whole point of gerrymandering.
0: So you and I have had this conversation before. We both think, well at least I think I'm not going to speak for you. George Santos, when the time comes his district's flipping blue. It's going to go back to being a blue district. because yeah. I think it was a Democrat who held that seat before him. Mm-hmm. And I, looking at his district and being from that part of the state, I can tell you there's a good chance that this dude's district flips blue. Yeah, eventually, maybe not now, but
1: there's eventually. I don't want to get too far off topic, but there's a lot of finessing, mm-hmm. I guess, that goes into drawing gerrymander districts.
0: Yeah, there's no, been plenty
1: it. of dumb gerrymanders that you know made sense in the moment, but did not hold up over the next two elections.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they just start trending blue. And looking at the, this seems like a very suburban district. And as we've seen across the country, suburbia is trending more towards Democrats. And, you know, people like George Santos's districts, they will not hold up in the future they, just based off demographic trends. Even if you still try to gerrymander them, you know, it's still hard. To, I mean, George Santos is different. It's New York, even if but even if they don't redraw the districts to be more friendly to Democrats. I mean, he's probably dead on arrival in twenty twenty four. Yeah, probably. It's also Long it's the part of Long Island that is still pretty blue. So
0: I think we looked it up. His district was solid blue for quite oh, a while.
1: It's like it's still like D plus six, I think.
0: So So let's move let's stay in the Midwest, but let's move a couple states over and let's talk about Chicago for a second. Just the, for a second, the People's Republic of Chicago? Because yeah, who that won one. that race,
1: Kale? Brandon, Brandon Johnson. Johnson. So, the race was. This was the runoff election because no candidate won a majority back in the uh, first round of voting.
0: Back when Mayor Lightfoot lost, right?
1: Yep. Um, and a Democrat was always going to win. It's this. It's this. Ugh, it's this. It's Chicago. You know, it. it it's a solidly blue city and a solidly blue state. But it came, it, na- it came down to Brandon Johnson, who was endorsed by the teachers union in Chicago, and I believe was also a former teacher himself. I'm not quite sure. though. I think I,
0: I think I saw that on Twitter.
1: And between a more conservative Democrat named Paul Vallis, who was supported by the Chicago Police Union, and he was also involved with the Chicago like metropolitan school district, uh, but not in a teaching capacity. I think he was more of an administrator. But it was really it was I wouldn't say it was a showing like a battle between more conservative and moderate Democrats and progressive and left-wing Democrats because, you know, the race was pretty close and I still think it is close as they're still finalizing the results and as more like mail-in votes come in.
0: I'm looking it's- at his website Brandon Johnson has been endorsed by Several unions, like 14 unions.
1: He was the labor progressive. I don't know if DSA in Chicago supported him, but I imagine they did against Paul Vallis. But he was the very clear, you know, progressive
0: torch has, carrier for he, this race. He has endorsements from several wards 25th, 30th, 33rd, 39, 35, 12, 40, 46, 47, 48. 11, and 12. That's a good amount of wards. but he's also been endorsed by the Working Families Party, which is a left leaning kind of DSA type party. Mm -hmm. He's been endorsed by Sunrise Movement, the Asian American Midwest Progressives, um, Indivisible Chicago, like a lot of progressive organizations that I recognize as somebody from Central Ohio. So I mean, I followed his campaign before he, uh, before the, before Mayor Lightfoot lost. Yeah. And I mean, he was, honestly, he was my favorite. Yeah. The,
1: some of the issues that were, you know, became the focal point of this race were mostly policing. Um, That's part of the reason why Lori Lightfoot did not win the first round because she, crime in Chicago is statistically, it is actually higher than it was before. Paul Vallis was the, you know, tough on crime candidate and Brandon Johnson was the, and he had to backpedal on these comments, but he had in the past like supported defund the police. Um, So it was also, again, I think battle's the wrong word, but it was, you know, a race between like traditional messaging on like crime and violence or what can we do differently because Honestly, the old way of dealing with crime—it cl- clearly doesn't work. I mean,
0: so I don't know if you've seen it, but there is a documentary on Netflix, and it's specifically about AOC's first campaign. And I forget what it's called. I think it's called like "Shaking Down," "Shaking Up the House," or something like that. I think it's called "Tear Down the House." Tear Down the House. Yeah. You're right. Um, but it was because her first election was young, new progressive face Mm -hmm. taking on establishment Democrats. And that's a lot like what this is. It was new, new guy, still Democrat. Yeah. Taking on traditional establishment Democrats in major cities and the new guy won. Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of refreshing from like a Gen Z perspective to see, younger people, younger progressives winning elections in major cities and just across the country in general. Yeah. Like Maxwell Frost in Florida. He won his House election and he's the youngest person to ever be in Congress. That's yeah. refreshing. So I mean like I keep saying it's almost our time. And I keep telling people, we're almost out of the weeds. Almost. We're almost in charge.
1: It's it is really nice to finally see younger people, but also more progressive people in general get elected. Um,
0: yeah, I wouldn't be upset if somebody who's like as old as Sherrod Brown won elections across the state of Ohio or the Midwest in general, but um, be- because of Sherrod Brown's like progressivism, but it's it's nice to see younger progressives. Yeah,
1: especially, I think, leaders, at least in the Democratic Party, it's kind of been a struggle, but leaders in both parties have kind of seen the writing on the walls like it is we got to do something to try to court one train you know voters to become leaders in both of the parties respectively but also you know trying to court young voters in general one party's been way more successful at that um but it's something that they're going to have to grapple with and strategize because i think in 2024 millennials and gen z are going to make up the majority of the electorate.
0: That's what I was going to say. And even it's not going to be too much longer until generation alpha is because they're old enough now to be paying attention. Mm -hmm. We're not. We've already made the decision with our producer and the rest of our staff that we're not going to talk about the events in Nashville, Tennessee Mm -hmm. until it's passed. But have you seen the protests in Tennessee? Yeah. Generation alpha is there. They're young enough that it's upsetting yeah. But they're old enough to know what's going on and they're almost going to be old enough eventually that they're going to contribute to the powerful voting block that's going to be millennials, Gen Z and generation alpha.
1: Yeah. It's nuts. When I see you know when that happened it, it really brought it really brought back memories of when you know the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting occurred. Mm-hmm. And At least in Menor, you know, we held walkouts. We walked to, you know, uh, Congressman Dave Joyce's office to demand something be done. And again, Gen Alpha are—they're starting to become this age where they're going to start caring and they're going to start, you know, protesting. When I was twelve is when I started first like paying attention to politics, because you know, I don't want to get—I don't want to talk about it too much, but like. I remember when like the Chardon's shooting happened and I'm like, what the fuck, you know, no one's doing anything. And this literally just happened 20 minutes away from my house, you know, and gen alpha, I mean, shit might be
0: further left than gen Z will end up being right. So, so I just want to, my start with politics was in 2008 when my dad took me to the polls to vote with him, mm -hmm. quote unquote, vote with him. So it was a big deal. You were Sorry. one of
1: the mules. I
0: was in the 2008 <laughs> election. Yeah,
1: that was really a close one. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. John McCain really
1: put up a great fight, especially yeah. with his with Sarah Palin.
0: But So let's stay in the Midwest, but let's go just a little further north to a an election that is a huge deal to us, to the Democratic Party, to liberals in general, to the left in general, and to the uh, battle for abortion rights.
1: And the battle of saving democracy in Wisconsin.
0: I don't want to get too loud, but oh
1: my God. I can't tell you how funny, funny it was to see conservatives on social media go absolutely off the deep end last night. Yeah. Because Wisconsin had a Supreme Court election yesterday. They did. And the liberal candidate, uh, Janet respectfully she, i'm not even gonna try sh- sh- we will be calling her just janet one against a very conservative candidate named daniel kelly and not even by a close margin no they called it really early and she's still you know i'm looking at the results still with 95 of the votes in she still has like a 10 point 11 point lead it's bad and it's It's really incredible because Wisconsin is a very competitive state, at least statewide. You know, both Joe Biden and Donald Trump won the state by less than a percentage point. You know, these weren't blowout elections. And seeing a unabashedly liberal candidate win is telling because Janet did not she did not pull punches with what, with what she believed in. She said straight up, I believe it's a woman's right to choose an abortion. She said, we have unfair gerrymandered maps for the General Assembly and Congress. You know, she said, yeah, I would I would seek to strike those down. And she won. And clearly, she has a mandate.
0: This doesn't give Wisconsin a blue trifecta, though, does not it?
1: No, the General Assembly still is under a Republican
0: gerrymandered map.
1: Yeah, a gerrymandered map, which I'm going to get into in a second. Um, But, you know, Tony Evers is a governor who is a Democrat. The Supreme Court is under Democratic control, even though it's nonpartisan. But all these judges have affiliations. Um, But to your point about gerrymandering, Wisconsin currently has um, gerrymandered maps for Congress and their state legislator you know where republicans have like nearly a supermajority in both the state senate and general assembly but that doesn't that obviously doesn't match the partisan makeup of the state if it's voting for Donald Trump by less than a percentage point and then Joe Biden by less than a percentage point but then reelecting their democratic governor by a few percentage points so something's off and for the past 10 years that Wisconsin has been just under control by very conservative republicans because of you know this meddling of the of their maps you know there was really no path forward to try to strike them down and redraw fairer maps but now with a 4-3 liberal majority on their supreme
0: court it's
1: possible it's possible that in 2024 the state of Wisconsin could have a democratic trifecta because it will be operating under a fair
0: map. Here's the hoping. Yeah,
1: here's the hoping for Ohio.
0: Yeah, actually. Because we're about to go into the redistricting pro- process again, aren't we?
1: Yeah, again.
0: But... For 2024, right? Yep.
1: Getting flashbacks. And, you know, Wisconsin and Ohio are very similar states. I mean, sure, you know, they're different you know, populations and whatnot. Ohio's better. Ohio's, well, Ohio is better. So that's just...
0: I said it first. So if Joe and I are ever running against each other, vote for me first because I said Ohio's better first. So Joe can be your second choice. (laughs) Because, you know, by then we'll have ranked choice voting in Ohio. Clearly.
1: But, you know, I was looking at the results last night and I'm like, why the hell can't we do that here? Why can't we do that here?
0: Trump. Gerrymandering. but The fact that our... The people who hold office in our state that are Republicans are either really normal or really not normal. There is no in between. And ODP sucks. Yeah. So I mean, said that, not me. We already got into that last last week, (laughs) so I'm not going to go off again. But
1: this, you know, people wrote off. The entire Rust Belt, which I hate that term, but I'm... Actually, no. I'm It's going to be the Great Lakes region yeah. now. I'm not talking s- about the Midwest. I'm talking about the Great Lakes region specifically.
0: You know what? It's going... Everybody in this room right now, it's the Great Lakes. We don't say the Midwest anymore. That's a bad word. Because some people consider Iowa the Midwest. So I don't want to... Confuse anyone. ...do that. But... Some people consider South Dakota the Midwest.
1: The The Great Lakes... The region, like the region as a whole you know people wrote it off after ohio went for trump michigan wisconsin um indiana almost minnesota but minnesota is not flipping anytime soon sorry republicans but i think what's happening like what happened in michigan what what just happened in wisconsin no michigan has a democratic trifecta now they do wisconsin is finally going to get a like a functional democracy quote unquote
0: a fair shot at yeah. having a democratic trifecta if that's the will of the people yeah so
1: and i think this shows that you know the great lakes can't be written off oh how you can't write off ohio you know people still want popular more liberal policies which is a really broad term but you know this is possible in Ohio. It's possible throughout the Great Lakes. See it happening in Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin. I mean, it just takes a hell of a lot of work.
0: Hillary's blue wall is building back up from the ashes. From the ashes. It's only about a little less than 10 years too late, but it's happening. And it hopefully it's there 2024.
1: It, oh, it better be. Hopefully, oh, boy.
0: Blue Ohio 2024. You think it's possible? It's a Sherrod Brown re-election year.
1: Maybe, I don't know. I actually don't even know. I can't give you an opinion on that yet.
0: No opinion on Sherrod's race?
1: No opinion on Ohio's presidential race in 2024. Because I've told you before, I Joe Biden wins with the exact same app, and maybe he wins North Carolina. But yeah. nothing else changes yeah. besides that. Blue Blue, Texas. Blue Texas isn't happening in 2024.
0: 2028?
1: Maybe. Probably by 2032, though.
0: We're writing that down.
1: Blue Texas is inevitable, as we all know, though.
0: Blue Ohio is inevitable.
1: Blue Ohio, it'll it'll come back. It'll come back.
0: If we just make sure that people come out and vote from the three C's and Toledo, because I think Toledo is the biggest of the second-tier cities, maybe.
1: Oh, second-tier?
0: Yeah. Wow
1: really putting Youngstown and Toledo and, like, Akron on blast right now.
0: They're second-tier cities. They're not Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati. This is true. What about Dayton? Mm. Second-tier. Okay. Menor's third-tier. Menor? Mm-hmm. Mentor.
1: We're the capital of Lake County, basically. Yeah, Technically, third- Painesville is.
0: Third-tier. mm mm-hmm. Is it a major urban center? Like Akron?
1: In my mind, it is. Mm. In my mind, Menor is the heart of the world. Kale... <laughs>
0: So, you heard it here, folks. This is Joe kicking off his campaign for Lake County Commissioner.
1: Nope, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely okay. not.
0: Let's travel further south and talk about North Carolina uh, for however long it takes to make Joe mad. Which is going to be very quickly. So, what happened in North Carolina, Joe?
1: So, North Carolina, a state rep, her name's Tricia Cotham has switched parties from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party which is which gives Republicans in the state house there a supermajority so they can override the Democratic governor's veto. Now North Carolina is very much like Wisconsin. It is a purple state that just barely voted for Trump both times and operates under gerrymandered maps at least for the state legislature. For Congress, the maps are very fair, and it matches the partisan breakdown of the state um, pretty well, I would say. But the General Assembly and the state Senate are extremely gerrymandered. Like, in the state Senate now, they have a supermajority. In the state House, I think they just have a, a, right, like, a majority, but it's very disproportionate with the voting trends of the state as a whole. Um Personally, I don't think you should be allowed to switch parties during your term. I don't think that should be legal. Like what Christian Cinema did in Arizona. Um, I guess she didn't technically switch per se. She
0: kind of just dropped the she party. just
1: dropped the party. But you were elected on the basis that you were a Democrat. Yeah. And also, you know, side bit. She's from a Biden plus like 14 district. It, literally, it makes zero fucking sense that she switched parties in a Biden-plus-14 district. Now, it's
0: giving Tulsi Gabbard vibes.
1: <laughs> enemy of the pod.
0: Enemy of the pod, Tulsi Gabbard. But, but George Santos is a friend of the pod?
1: So Tulsi Gabbard is homophobic.
0: Oh. George Santos is gay. So, so. friend of the pod because we're allies.
1: Yes, this is true. But... There's a lot of speculation as to why she switched, and I think she's just expecting that there is an ongoing court case that uh, could really upend uh, the state legislative maps in North Carolina that would basically just allow Republicans to draw whatever the hell they want. And I think she's kind of betting on that the North Carolina Supreme Court, which is under a conservative majority – is going to rule in favor of allowing the legislator to just draw what they want. And I think she's betting on being drawn into a very friendly Republican district. Either that or just, you know, allegedly, this is just my opinion, so I don't get sued by anyone. But, uh, I mean, maybe it is just straight up, like, you know, political favors.
0: It very well could
1: be. Or money. It
0: very well could be. My question would be, because I don't know this person. This is, like... I
1: don't want to know Tricia Cawtham.
0: This is news, like, today. Like, yeah. we found this out on our way to the studio, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But is she, like, like Kirsten Cinema dropped the Democratic label, mm. but she still caucuses with Dems. Kind of like Bernie. Yeah. Except Bernie's a lot cooler, and I would never compare him to her ever again.
1: Yeah, Bernie doesn't, like, suck, you know? Right,
0: yeah. He's not, like but as you're a saying. terrible person no, i'm kidding. but i want to know is this north carolina rep still like left leaning or like is there a genuine ideological change or is this person going to just be a liberal republican in the state i
1: I don't know, because I didn't look into her voting record. Honestly, it's very rare to find voting records of just, like, <laughs> obscure state, state legislators. Yeah, But, you know, I think you saw a lot kind of as states started realigning post-2000 election. You know, you saw a lot of Democrats in West Virginia, in Texas, and the South start switching to the Republican Party. Because that's kind of, you know, when the party switch completed. And what we know today as like our blue states and our red states but today it just doesn't make any sense because there is a there is a really really big difference between both parties now you can disagree with that but you cannot tell me with a straight face that donald trump and joe biden believe in the same thing and it's like voting for the same person because it's very clearly not correct the republican party platform and the democratic party platform are very 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 different.
0: Even if you agree with one side, like if you are a like deep red republican, the you're the way that you think like from a policy perspective mm-hmm. is significantly different than a deep blue dem- democrat. Yeah. It, there's no similarities. Even the left leaning people, like these left leaning individuals in our country voted for Hillary Clinton and they haven't voted red since. Yeah. Because the- there is that like Big difference between the two parties. Yeah.
1: The only thing that Cotham has said um, since, you know, the decision became public is, um, quote, I have decided to change my party affiliation, joining the Republican Party, and have been welcomed with open arms. Adding that the modern-day Democratic Party has become unrecognizable to me. How old is this person? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure she's in her mid-50s, though. She's older. But her Older so,
0: but not old enough to remember when the Democratic Party was the conservative party. Was literally racist. The good old days, as um, some people say. But
1: her whole family, you know, the Cawtham family, is very involved in Democratic Party politics in the state of North Carolina. <laughs> this person just got into an argument with a and family like, member and switched uh, parties. It's Easter Sunday, man. Are you trying to make your family hate you? It's going to be a real awkward Sunday. That's going to be awkward. And not only involved, but her father was the chairman of a county Democratic Party in the state. I think her mother was a delegate to one of the DNCs. Like, what are you doing, girl? So, I mean, besides the fact that it's super unfair to your constituents, but also, this makes no sense.
0: Right, it, does, it doesn't make any sense. And I agree with you that you shouldn't, like, I don't know if it should be necessarily like illegal yeah. to just switch parties midterm because i feel like that is a freedom of speech type thing yeah. yeah but like out of principle don't just wait till you're campaigning again yeah to say okay well i'm actually not i don't i don't agree with these people anymore i think my view so like do kale and joe disagree on something no 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 no. Oh, okay
1: i do i i I agree with what you said. I think that's a free agency issue. Like, you're an individual. You can associate with whatever party you want. Like, that is that is your free speech. I understand that. But from my view, elected officials are agents of the people. Mm-hmm. You are sent to your state house or Congress or the Senate to um, represent the entrance of your constituents. And a part of that, and a very big part of it, is your party affiliation. A lot of people mm-hmm. vote just because you're a Democrat or just because you're a Republican. I'm not going to get into if, whether that's a good or bad thing, but that is how people vote for a lot of regular folks. And the fact that you just changed parties out of uh, seemingly nowhere, because this was not on my radar or anyone's radar until right. a few days ago, you know... I think you're doing a huge disservice to your constituents but also like I would say you're a liar. Yeah. And again, I don't I don't think you should make it illegal because that's a free speech issue, but
0: if you campaign as a democrat, if you campaign as a liberal, you're endorsing democratic principles, like big D democratic principles. And you, those people Want those things, so they put you in office. It's your obligation to run through your term upholding those principles. And then when it's over, do what you want. Yeah. When you're not in office anymore, you can pull a Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, totally. She's be- not in office. Yeah. And if
1: you want to run again, that's fine after your first term. You can be a conservative Democrat, I don't care, but you can't just change your party affiliation basically in the beginning of your term. You know, we're not even that far into 2023 yet. You know, a lot of state legislators are just starting to kick things off for their sessions. It depends by state, but, you know, this has a lot of policy implications that your constituents are going to be really confused about now because they don't know if you're going to support the same policies as you did before or if you're going to just do a 180 because now you're a Republican for whatever reason.
0: Well, so, you know, I'm a lifeguard. I'm an aquatic supervisor, that's my job. Mm-hmm. If I show up to work one day and I just put on a different shirt and go to the rest, the other side of the rec center and just say, oh, well, I'm a basketball court operator now. I would get fired. Yeah. Because that's not my job. It, it just, that's like the, a similarity that I like can see.
1: Yeah. And I'm not just saying this because it's a, it's a Democrat switching to the Republican Party. Yeah, I would say don't it, lie. <laughs> no, I'm lying. I would say it if a Republican switched to the Democratic Party. Yeah, hey, it's kind you... of deceitful. Yeah, it's deceitful. You were elected as a Republican. Finish out your term as one. You want to run as a Democrat after? That's cool. Awesome. But you're finishing your term because that's what you told your constituents as a Republican. Exactly. It's just so dishonest. I hate it so much.
0: You ready? You ready? It's nuts.
1: It's nuts. It's
0: nuts. <laughs> so, Joe, we got about five-ish minutes left. So, do you have anything you want to wind down with
1: there's a primary election in may mm-hmm. uh, depending on where you live um so everyone needs to go to their board of elections website for your county uh you can do a voter lookup, mm-hmm. you can search your name and you can find if you have an election in your precinct um i can tell you if you're listening from lake county uh Mennor does not in most areas, but there is a school levy on the ballot if you're in the Willoughby East Lake School District, and then there's also, you know, other improvement levies in other cities. Just please go to your County Board of Elections website, double check if you have an election, and vote if you do.
0: So, it's now the 5th of April, so I just dated the podcast, but uh, early voting started yesterday, April 4th, and it goes through... The start of the primary, like the day of the primary, pretty much, right? I want to say yes, but they did just change everything Mm. with the new law. So I'm not sure. Regardless, early voting is going on now. Um, So you would go to your county's Board of Election website, look up what time you can go, because now in the state of Ohio, the only place you can go to early vote is the Board of Elections. So figure out their hours. If you want to vote early or if you have to vote early, go vote. Um, unfortunately, the deadline to register to vote for the upcoming primaries passed, mm-hmm. um, but if you are turning eighteen before the general, make sure you register to vote. You can register now if you turn if you turn eighteen.
1: I think it's on or before the general election. Mm-hmm. You can sign. You can register to vote, and you will be able to vote in that general.
0: So just make sure you're engaged. Please go vote in the primary, even if it's like a school levy, because those things are important. Yeah, and it's important to make your voice heard. Because if 25% of people are deciding something, then there's that's not how democracy is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's all I have. got. That's all we have for today. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for episode three of Shaw Talk coming out next week with a special guest. Based. Um, and also keep your eyes out for a second Policy Wonk special. I wonder what it could be about. I don't know. Something big must have something happened in the historical news. historical about a man from... Florida. Florida man. oof. Who? Florida man felonies. Both we'll start with F. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's true. It's a good connection. <laughs> but thank you for joining us today. So
0: we'll we'll be reporting live from Mar-a-Lago. Wink, wink. Um, but that's all I got. We'll see everybody next time. All
1: right. See you.